0: Hallelujah! Christ is risen. I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are living in a mingled time right now in this moment in the church and in our nation, in our city. We are in the joyful time of Eastertide. 50 days celebrating resurrection, the central tenet of our faith. And and we are in a sorrowful time this spring as the pandemic still unspools hope on the horizon, but anger and disagreement about how we are to behave now, masks or not, regathering or not. We are in a sorrowful time right now as the trial of Derek Chauvin continues as we relive the killing of George Floyd on Tenterhooks, Hooks as yet another black man, Dante Wright, was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis as a young Latino boy, Adam Toledo, was killed by a police officer in Chicago. We are in a sorrowful time right now as we mourn a mass shooting right here Another young man, distraught, a threat to himself in the past, taking his pain out on innocence. Matthew Alexander, Samaria Blackwell, Amarjeet Johal, Jaz Vinder Kaur, Jaz Vinder Singh, Amarjeet Sakon, Carly Smith, John Wessert, and then Brandon Hole killed himself. And we are left reeling, reeling in the wake of this violence, reeling that in April, this is the third mass shooting in our city in this short year. We are left reeling in sorrow made deeper by a year of so much trauma and a growing lack of hope that things will ever change. Today, perhaps every day, We hold together joy and happiness, beautiful weather, the hope of our faith, the little treats of our lives, a special dinner, talking to a friend, a walk through Newfield's gardens. We hold those together alongside our sorrows, dismay at the direction of our world, a sense of helplessness around wearyingly persistent problems, racism and gun violence, environmental devastation, along with the sadnesses of our own lives, the loneliness of this year, those who have died, those whom we love but see no longer, and the usual disappointments and hurts, the slings and arrows of daily life. This seems to be our lot in life, joy and sorrow mingled. That seems to be the scene In Luke's Gospel today as he provides another scene of resurrection hard on the heels of the story of the road to Emmaus when Jesus appears to two disciples walking away from Jerusalem, he unfolds the scriptures that point to the Messiah, then he breaks bread with them, which is when their eyes are opened, it's when they realize that it's the resurrected Jesus with them, and they rush back to Jerusalem to tell the 11 who are still grieving and sorrowful that evening. Three days after the crucifixion, the evening of the day in which some women have told them that Jesus is risen, but they have not believed. And then right there, in the midst of more confusion, Jesus arrives, offering them peace, shalom. And they are startled and terrified, for they thought they were seeing a ghost. Their sorrow and confusion are turned to terror terror for Who wants a ghost to appear? The only reason ghosts return is because they have something left undone, a grievance perhaps, maybe even seeking revenge. And the disciples have reason to be anxious in the face of Jesus's return. After all, they deserted him. Some may have even gone along with the crowd. At the very least, they did nothing to help him, nothing to stop the violence. His return is not necessarily immediately seen as good news. But then Jesus shows his wounds to them. He's no ghost, no mere see-through ectoplasm, but somehow flesh and blood still wounded. And then he asks them for something to eat and what could be dearer than that. What could show more that he comes in love and relationship than wanting to eat with them? Now they know that their friend somehow has returned, not just in their minds, not as a vengeful ghost, but with peace, offering the shalom that people long for all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, that serenity that comes only by participating in the life of God. And the disciples feel joy. They feel joy. Yet they still feel disbelief and wonder. They hold the mingled yarns of life together, sorrow, joy, together. Their friend is wounded. The world rejected him. They failed him, but he has returned, offering peace and fellowship, compassion and forgiveness. They hold together sorrow and joy, but Jesus returns, showing how sorrow is not erased, but transformed, transformed into joy. He shows that wounds and violence cannot be erased. They can be transformed, transformed by forgiveness. Hatred cannot be erased, but it can be transformed, transformed by compassion. His wounds remain, but they have been transformed transformed into signs of how to absorb pain without transmitting it, how to absorb sin rather than punishing it. Like the Japanese tradition of fixing broken pottery by mixing lacquer and gold to put the pieces back together so that the piece is fixed but the seams stand out, lines of gold where the cracks once were, a piece is resurrected but the damage is not denied rather than joy and sorrow held in different hands, here they are fused, making something new. This is a revelation. It is not the way of the world. It's not even what they expected the Messiah, who many had hoped would smash the yoke of the Romans through a revolution. For the world responds to violence with more violence. In our myths and stories, in our history, when order is disrupted by violence, gunshots, riots, order is restored through the righteous exercise of more violence by smashing things and then rebuilding back to what was. But Jesus returns, not to undo the chaos of the cross with violence, not to restore order with righteous vengeance, Rather, he addresses the disorder of the cross by radiating divine love. He does not deny the pain of sin or death or violence. He has his wounds. He shows them. But he resolves disorder and violence with peace and forgiveness. Wounds and forgiveness. Fear and reconciliation. Death and resurrection, a delicate China bowl smashed, resurrected with gold seams. He suffers still yet loves the more. What he taught and lived in his life right unto the cross, Jesus now shows as he stretches forth his wounded hands in love. This is how Jesus takes away death and sin. Any other way merely pauses the anger, the violence, the conflicts. When we try to rid ourselves of pain or crush sorrow, we find it arises again. There is another way, a way that holds sorrow and joy together that doesn't deny the pain, but transforms it. Jesus's life, death and resurrection offer that way. Jesus took on the fire of our hatreds and sins, our angers and our violence, and drenched them in the forgiving waters of the cross. We still live in a mingled time, of course, as long as we are on this side of the grave. Joy and sorrow will follow one another, live alongside one another. We are still living in the deep sorrow of too many guns so many dead, the shocking eruption of violence again and again. But the promise here is that Jesus, in returning wounded but offering forgiveness and shalom, knows our pain, knows our sin and suffering, and has provided the remedy. Even in woundedness, he offers joy. Even in his wounds, he offers love. Even in his wounds, he offers forgiveness. He comes with wounds, but he sits down for a meal with friends and in offering us a different way, not violence squashed by more violence, but violence met by love and forgiveness. He has provided us a way out, a way out of sorrow, out of our helplessness, out of our depression, but not by giving us more to do. No, he's created a way out of our own sinfulness our own petty devices for facing down the sorrow of this world by creating something new and transformed, cracked and golden and beautiful. By doing that, he does what no philosopher or politician or activist could ever do. He saves us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.